0: Welcome to this tax explanation on the 2017 update to the OECD Model Tax Convention. This is part one of a short series that was first released earlier in the year based on the discussion draft of the update. The changes were formally approved by the OECD on November 21 and the earlier draft is substantially unchanged. References to the draft model should therefore be understood as references to the final version. This short series will explain the key changes contained in the 2017 update so you can better understand and anticipate what's coming up. Of course this is no substitute for reading the revised text itself, but listening to this explanation will certainly take you less time than reading through all 309 pages of the new model. Part 1 of the series explains the background to the changes the relationship with the BEPS multilateral instrument, and the new provision on hybrid entities. To make sure you don't miss the rest of the series, check out how to get iPhone updates on taxtube.net. First, some introduction. The model convention was last updated in 2014, and although that's not that long ago, a lot has happened since then, in particular in relation to the OECD's BEPS project. So there are a lot of tax treaty changes coming out of these developments, most of which have already been set out in various BEPS action reports and are included in the new draft model. Since these reports have already been commented on and approved as part of the BEPS package, it can be assumed that the changes as reflected in the new draft model will be incorporated when it comes up for formal approval during the course of 2017. And because most of the proposed changes to the model convention have already been commented on and approved, the OECD is actually only inviting public comment on a few not particularly significant provisions. An interesting question is how the model convention relates to the OECD's multilateral convention, or MLI as it's generally called. The MLI is the OECD's tool for getting a lot of treaty-related BEPS changes incorporated into a whole raft of bilateral tax treaties in a fast and efficient manner. And many of the treaty changes put forward as part of the BEPS project, and that have now been collected together in the draft model changes, have been included in the MLI. So knowing what's in the model is a good introduction to what is in the MLI, as well as what to expect when new bilateral treaties are concluded. Of course there's no guarantee that the new model provisions will be adopted, either via the MLI or otherwise, in particular because of the wide scope for opting out of many of the MLI provisions. And of course there's no obligation on countries to follow the OECD's model, rather than, say, the UN or a country's own model that reflects their own policy choices. The other thing about the model convention is that it provides a lot of detailed commentary on the new provisions that is not incorporated into the MLI, so it will be likely to be an important background to understanding and interpreting the new provisions. So let's move on to look at what are the main proposed changes to the OECD model convention and the official commentary. First up is a provision dealing with the complex area of hybrid entities, that is, entities that are treated in one state as transparent but not in the other. Actually the provision itself is a bit of a hybrid in that it sets out both to help taxpayers when they might otherwise be denied treaty benefits because of the involvement of a hybrid entity and also to help tax administrations combat the use or misuse of hybrid entities to get treaty benefits for taxpayers that they would not normally be entitled to. So the idea is to make sure taxpayers don't lose treaty benefits because the treaty partners take different views on the transparency of an entity, but also that taxpayers can't take advantage of such different views. So, for example, the provision makes sure that treaty benefits like withholding tax reductions are only granted where the person behind the entity that receives the income is actually taxed on the income in one of the treaty states. The new commentary gives an example under which interest is paid from one state to an entity in another state. The payor state treats that entity as a separate entity, so regards it as the recipient of the income for tax purposes. That normally means that the payor state will grant treaty benefits, like withholding tax reductions, to that entity as a resident of the recipient state. The problem is that the recipient state looks through the entity, in other words regards it as transparent, and so treats its owners as the recipients of its income. Because the entity isn't then taxed on the income, it can't qualify as a resident and so isn't entitled to the reduced withholding tax under the treaty. The solution given by the new provision is to say that the source state has to grant treaty benefits to the owners of the entity if they are taxed on its income in the other state, that is, as if they had received it directly. So the source state in this example would then have to reduce its withholding tax and the revised commentary makes clear that the other state would have to credit the withholding tax in the normal way. That of course produces a reasonable outcome in line with what the treaty is there to do, namely avoid double taxation of the same income. A variation of the same example shows how the provision works to prevent a hybrid entity being used for tax avoidance purposes. The underlying idea is that no treaty benefits such as reduced withholding tax will be granted if the income is not actually taxed in the other state, either as income of the entity or of its owners. So, suppose the entity is not resident in either state, say it's located in a tax haven, but the source state ignores the entity and regards its owners as the recipients of the income. If the owners are residents of the other state, the source state would typically grant the withholding tax reduction. However, under the new hybrid provision, they will not be allowed to do this unless the owners of the entity are actually taxed on the income received by the entity. In other words, they will only get treaty benefits if their state of residence also treats the entity as transparent. This is also a reasonable result, since if it doesn't look through the foreign entity and tax the owners, the income will not be doubly taxed, so it would not be appropriate for the owners to get a withholding tax reduction. So how new is the new provision for hybrid entities? Well, actually it's not that new in the sense that the current commentary already covers this kind of situation, albeit limited to hybrid entities that are partnerships. So the extension to other kinds of transparent entities, such as trusts, is definitely new. And obviously including a specific provision in the text of a treaty will have more weight than just including some suggested text in the commentary. It's also not new in the sense that the principle behind the new provision was already contained in the final report on hybrid entities in BEPS Action 2. Also some states already have a similar provision in their treaties dealing with transparent entities so the new provision may not make a big difference even if introduced. Those that don't have an existing provision can include the new one by way of the OECD's multilateral instrument, but since this isn't a minimum standard, they can easily opt out. That's all for now on the proposed changes to the OECD model tax convention. In our next episode, we'll be taking a look at the proposed changes for pension funds, dual residence and capital gains. Until then, this is Barry Larkin thanking you for listening to TaxTube's Taxplanations.